Hughes is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hands off the middle, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three call, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. A snowstorm edition. We both made it through. I am here. Matt McMaster is here. Back from... Back from winter break out in Illinois, just in time. Just in time for all of that snow. Here, let's try. I'll, I'll just try this one. Hello. Oh, okay. I guess I'm going. No, no, no. Yeah, that's two. That's two. I don't know why. Nothing better than when you come back from break and people start moving the microphones around the KLIN studio. I'm already annoyed. I'm already annoyed because I had to shovel through snow with a hockey stick this morning. Because why would the As 20, one does. Why would the 21-year-old have a shovel in his car? Why would the 21-year-old from Chicago have a shovel in his car? Uh, yeah, terrible morning. Awful morning. No good, very bad. What is that? Alexander and the terrible... No good, very bad. Oh, I feel like I should know day. This. No, You should. You've had four kids. You I never read them that Alexander. Whatever it is. Awful. I got through it, though. Thank God I have four-wheel drive. So, shout out to the parents for paying for that car. But, yeah. It is Alexander. Here. Nice work. Thank you. I, thought I, I was, read that book. I think I still have that book. Um, it's the, probably the last book I've read. Uh, so... <laughs> uh, Considering that, yeah, I, I was leaving Chicago, and they were all like, well, you're leaving just in time because the snow's going to be coming here in Chicago in, in a couple of days. And I go, no, I'm going into a snowstorm. Uh, they got three not escaping it. No, they got three inches yesterday, which was a, you know. Gasp. I think we got three inches after I shoveled snow the first time. Is there a salt truck in Lincoln? Because if there is, I haven't seen it. And on top of that, I haven't seen the remnants of a salt truck in Lincoln. But... Regardless, I, I see them mostly on the uh, the main major. No, I didn't the, see it. The, the big arterial and, roads. And once again, like I said, not no remnants of one either. I don't. I don't. I mean, it's just the, the roads are terrible. They're still terrible. This, it's not this on one. The, it's not on the great people. It's not on the great people who are in those snow plows doing that stuff because I love them. God bless their soul. It's just on the fact that there aren't a lot of them. They're not as many as there should be out there. This particular storm, it just kept. Going. Yeah. It's, it's snowing again this morning. A little bit. Like you you could have as many of them as you want, but eventually those guys need to probably eat something, sleep, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, recharge their own personal body batteries and then get back out there. So it's talking, just been tough to keep up with it. Talking about a team that's gonna need to uh, charge their personal batteries. <laughs> Look at that transition. You liked that one, didn't you? I was uh, I was actually gonna go with like a, an age thing. Oh, okay. Because Nebraska basketball did something that they haven't done since before I was born. Oh, we're going. Oh, we're going back to. Okay, we not can, even you. Well, sure. no, we'll talk about the garbage that happened yesterday. Okay, fair enough. I want to go back to Tuesday first. Okay, let's do that. Let's go to the good before the bad. Absolutely, we will. We will have Jacob Bigelow as well to talk about the, the good best. and the bad. 
uh, from Huskers Illustrated. No big old. It's definitely going to be the bad. <laughs> well, yeah, be a little bit of both. Uh, how about Nebraska basketball knocking off the number one team in the country? How about it? It had been since 1982. It had been since 1964 since it had been done at home. So and, and Nebraska gets it done against Purdue on Tuesday. Amazing. I was there. I didn't storm the court, but I was there. Um, Were you up in the box or in the stands? No, I was in the 300 levels. Oh, well, have, way up high. Yeah, I don't have the money to, to, to get down to the 100 bowl. Unless you, don't you have media. a media pass? No, but Caleb was there. He was oh. the one who was writing it. We can't have two go at the mm. same time. So, you know, when I do go to every game, though. Right. So if I'm not media... I do buy a ticket, so look at me. The Seamus run through and yeah, kind of check okay. Off. Yeah, all right. Let me tell you something. Yeah, I don't mean to sound like people were going to roll their eyes at home, but when it came down to Tuesday, Nebraska just wanted it more. In my opinion, it was a different energy. It, it, it just they, especially on the defensive end, it was just yes. an energy of just running around communication. They liked playing the number one team. They liked the challenge of guarding Zach Eady. They liked the challenge of switching on to uh, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer and, and Gillis. And, you know, even Lance Jones hit a couple of threes there and they had to start going on him as well. Like, they enjoyed playing in that game. Yeah. It's a little different yesterday, but they enjoyed playing in that game. And not only did they beat, like, they didn't squeak by. Purdue. They beat him by 16. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. To, to, it's already insane that they beat them, but to beat them by 16 and shoot the way that they shot, I mean, 14 of 23, I think that's 61% from the field. Look, the blueprint is out there to beat Purdue. You have to have a, a sound, fundamentally defensive team that has a lot of energy, and they just got to be hot from three that night. Uh, shout out to Rink Mask. He clearly outplayed uh, the best player in the country. In Zach Eady. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just think that I said, or I said last week this team could beat anyone. That was vindicated by the win on Tuesday. 100%. Let me reissue that statement. This team, this Nebraska basketball team, can beat anyone. They can also lose to anyone as well. And that was proven yesterday when they put up the Opposite, literally, could not be more opposite of a performance against the Iowa Hawkeyes, a team that is way inferior to the team they had beaten just four days ago. And Josiah Alec said in his press conference, he goes, this is what we do. This is what the story of the team has been. We play great one day, and then we S the bed the next day. Yeah, I mean, it's that's... That's the story so, of, of how Nebraska basketball has been. And... and you know, for quite a while, and and a lot of it has been, hey, they've been a lot more on the bad in terms of the inconsistency. This year, they have a chance to have more on the good end of it, but they they just you can you can make the tournament and and still have a couple of those moments. You can't have too many of those moments, and so that is where this team needs to figure it out. It's you, you can't you can't relax and still expect to make that tournament run that you so desperately want. You can't relax and still get to the goals that you have set for yourself. And frankly, it didn't take long yesterday for them to relax and them to be in a hole. It was 17 to 2. We yeah, there are a couple of things that 
we can take away from yesterday's game. I think the number one thing is, and it's not completely on Fred Hoiberg, uh, but he did get out coached yesterday. That zone that yeah, they implemented in the second half. No uh, answer and, for it. And, and, well, they did have an answer for it with about eight, nine minutes left in, in the second half when they started getting down to the low post. They started saying, all right, we're going to stop taking threes. We'll get it down to the low post. But even when they got those shots, they missed them. So that's not on Fred. That's on the guys, right? Like Gary had four free throws from doing that. But, I mean, they got, I mean, they missed like six or seven of those, like right there, like off the glass and in type layups. And, and that's not on Fred. That's on the guys playing basketball. Yeah. But even on the defensive end, Fran McCaffrey, just like Greg McDermott, had an incredible understanding of the Nebraska defense and where they were going to be on the court and what their rotations were like and very expertly knew how to rotate the ball and expose those rotations and find open shots in that half-court space. And then at times even knew where a defender would be coming from and perfectly placed screens in order to stop them. I mean, that Iowa team took as many open shots from three as Creighton did. You know, and, and yeah. that's why they made so many. People are like, well, Creighton just got hot from three. No. Crane Crane got Crane got hot from three, but Crane was shooting open shots. Like, they they like, had their offense. They had their offense yeah. cooking. And that's what Iowa did yesterday. And they Same had they, they had the perfect understanding of the Nebraska defense. And it's on the entire coaching staff and the players to adjust and understand what they're doing so they could stop those consistently open threes. They weren't able to do that. Yeah. So that's just getting out coached. Now, once again, I don't know how much that has to do. I'm not saying that's all on Fred because the energy yesterday was lacking. It was lacking on the defensive end. So I don't know, man. I mean, even last year when they didn't have a good team, it was still they would go out, man, they look good against Indiana. They may not have won the game. Be like, yo, they look good against Indiana. Or they go on the road and they beat Minnesota. And you're like, wow, they look good. And then they come back home and they lose a game that they, they probably shouldn't have lost, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this. I want to shout out my friend, Mr. Grant Hansen. He's a writer at Husker Online. This is his, his stat, but I'm, I'm stealing it. Teams this year in the Big Ten. All big, so all Big Ten games this season. There's been 33 of them. Yep. The road team is 7-26. and 26. It, it is... It, Purdue has lost two games this entire year. Both, Both those games. Road Big Ten games. Road Big Ten games. Yeah. It is hard to win on the road. Nebraska has lost all three. And that's the that's kind of the, the really missed opportunity aspect of this game yesterday. You are obviously playing a Big Ten road game, which, as you've noted, is difficult to win. You're playing it in the middle of a snowstorm in Iowa City. Roads, like major highways, interstates sure. are, are shut down. There were only people estimated like 2,500 people in the building. You are not going to encounter a less fraught environment on the road all season. And all you had to do was duplicate the energy that you played with three days before. I, I don't and disagree they just with that. Do it. That's all. Four of 26 from three. Yeah. Four of 26. And that's another thing. It's a team that when you have. It's a gift and a curse what Nebraska has because they don't have two guys who just are lights out on three and everyone else is kind of like, eh, maybe a three here or three. They have a lot of guys who are 35, 36, 33, 32% from three who believe that they can make three-point shots. And on nights when they're hitting, they go, what is it? What do they go against Purdue? Look at 14 of 23. And on nights when they're not hitting, 
they go four of twenty six, and so it's now. And I don't think Fred Hoiberg wants to be this. They are a live by the three and die by the three team. But the problem I have with them being a live by the three and die by the three team is you don't have to be. Like you got Rick Mask, he can hit twos. You have Josiah Alec, he can hit two. I mean, Josiah Alec had a pretty good shooting game. He started with four dunks. That's pretty high percentage. Like, you you don't have to be that type of the team that is just like, all right, we're going to put up all these three-pointers. They have got Bryce Williams can get to the hole. Even Casey can get to the hole. That's the one thing that Fred was raving about last year was his ability to get to the basket. We really haven't seen it all that much this year. They showed the stat on the game broadcast yesterday, uh, if I remember right, 61% from two for Casey is the highest shot percentage in the country in the country for anybody 63 or shorter yeah 61% and, from 2 and look he he went 6 of 10 from the field and 5 of those were were two pointers so yep. he is getting the basket but yep. i don't know it, it's just i it, i don't mean to be old school basketball here but get to the rim just get to the rim they Let's did get to the rim and they, figure they, it out. they did after the the terrible start yeah Four of their first five shots were threes. All four of those were misses. And and eventually Iowa adjusted and Nebraska had expended too much energy to come back from that early 15-point hole. And they, they didn't really have an answer. Um, we're going to get to Jacob Bigelow in a minute, but I want to go back to the Purdue game real quick. The way Nebraska responded in certain spots was the most impressive thing for me. Purdue had had, had it. Uh, it was kind of pretty tight back and forth in that first half. I think it was 28-26. Nebraska was down. And then they had that big spurt where Casey hit a couple of threes. Sam Hoiberg had a steal and a layup. And then he had that circus shot where he yeah. reversed layup from the right to the left. That was such a good shot. Ended up, what, up 11 at halftime, 41-30? Uh, 11 at halftime. And then in the second half, they were Nebraska's still up. It was 51-50. Purdue had made a big run. They came back and cut it down to one. Then you have the Josiah Alec three-pointer. That is the ultimate no, 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 yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that then was Edie, Edie hit a two on the other side, and then Nebraska goes on an 11-0 run with three, three, point, uh, three free throws from Wilcher, two three-pointers from Wilcher, and Sam Hoiberg uh, had that other fast-break layup, uh, and by then it was 65-52. Purdue never really got closer uh, than six or seven uh, from that point on. So th- those are that's what Nebraska's capable of. If you can match the defensive intensity with the aggressiveness on offense and and not not just hunting for threes but but getting the right shot. I mean CJ Wilcher made those threes against Purdue. Obviously nobody really had as much success making threes yesterday against Iowa, but overall that's what Nebraska is capable of. They have that in them. As you mentioned, they have the capability of beating literally anybody in the country. They have the capability of going on an eleven and nothing run over the course of less than two minutes. They can do that, and that's that's what makes them dangerous. But they have to be able to put it together every single time. They cannot relax like they did early last yesterday against Iowa. I know we're going to a break real quick. They're on the road against Rutgers on Wednesday. That's their next game, six p.m. in Piscataway. If they lose that game, it may be a flaming hot take, but I mean, I feel like to me. Losing two road games to two lesser opponents right after a number one win at home. I mean, it doesn't fully negate the impact of that number one win. I don't think it comes close to negating it personally. Okay. 
I, I, I think it comes close. The committee is going to value no, that but I'm win talking over about Purdue mom- so much I'm more. Oh, momentum, about sure. Momentum. Sure. I'm, you know, you still got some momentum. But once again, Nebraska's no longer, oh, Nebraska's coming to town. They're not very good. We should beat them. They are now the team that beat Purdue mm-hmm. and a team that is going to be taken very seriously every single night. And you saw it from Iowa. Iowa had a lot of energy on their bench because they were like, yeah, we're going to beat the team that just beat the number one team in the country. And they wanted that. And they got it. Right. That that only lasts for so long on the opponent's side, too. Now it's Rutgers saying, oh, we're going to beat the team that just lost to Iowa. Yeah, but they know Nebraska's it's, legit. I mean, and that's and they know that they're 0-3 on the road, and they're going to be taken very, very seriously in New Jersey. That's true. That's a tough, uh, tough road uh, ahead for Nebraska. I believe three of the next four. Uh, are on the road. Um, so uh, No, no, no. Is, it's just Rutgers and then home against Northwestern, home against Iowa, this, Ohio State. Okay. Yeah. So one, one more on the road one, and then one, two more at home. More okay. And then they're home for Wisconsin? Nope. Away from Maryland, then home for Wisconsin. Yeah, that's coming up. I'm just wrong all over. Somebody who's not wrong all over is Jacob Bigelow. He's got a lot to talk about uh, with these two games this week. Uh, plus, uh, Nebraska nailing a couple more transfers in some positions of need, we will tell you about those and plenty more. That's Matt. I'm Cole. We're here for you on this snowy Saturday here in Lincoln on the KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. If you're stuck at home, that's okay. We are bringing the content to you, and we are bringing you the content that you want to hear from our friend who covers Husker basketball for Huskers Illustrated and the Stretch Big Podcast. It's Jacob Bigelow joining us here for the first time in 2024. Jacob, how are we doing? Doing all right, fellas. How are you guys this morning? Bigelow! How are you doing, my man? <laughs> I'm good, Matt. Good to hear from you. Hey, good to hear from you too. You excited for a little? I know you, Cole, a little, little nervous for tonight's uh, Kansas City Chiefs action. You, you shivering, or how are you feeling about the Dolphins of Miami? I'd be a lot more shivering if I had accepted an offer for tickets. I was offered tickets, Ooh. and I, I chose to stay home in the comfort of my own home and watch from the couch, but. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, playoff football is always exciting, but uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm exactly too worried about Tua in uh, minus thirty wind chill, but sure. we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Playoff football is exciting. I wouldn't know anything about it, considering my team doesn't make the playoffs. But uh, the, speaking about a team that is hoping to make the playoffs, Nebraska basketball had a had a tough loss yesterday at Iowa, Jacob. They still beat the number one team in the country this week, but how do you feel about that win against Purdue after yesterday's lackluster performance against Iowa? Um, I mean, it's just um, it's you know an unfortunate theme, two unfortunate themes with Nebraska basketball rearing their ugly head. And, um, one, the first theme is consistent inconsistency, and uh, that has kind of been a a telltale of. Uh, you know, this team this season, um, and, you know, it was an all-too-predictable letdown spot, but that leads into the second unfortunate theme, which is it's not the fact that they lost, it's how they lost and how it looked. Yeah. And to go from how it looked Tuesday night at Pinnacle Bank Arena, not just with, you know, obviously you're not going to go out and shoot 60% from three and 50% from the field every night. The law of averages tells you that. But it was just the complete and total, you know, lack of defensive intensity, 
you know, the 50-50 plays, the physical closeout, the, you know, sending, you know, doubling the post even. All of that was, was absent. That led to that game last night getting as ugly as it did. But in my opinion, that doesn't, you know, dampen the, the Purdue win by, by any means. That was a historic night, a historic win for, for the program. And, you know, it'll still be a, a night that fans remember for many, many moons come but you know that it was last night felt like an all too predictable letdown spot i want to kind of zoom in a little bit more on that purdue win uh before we you know look more at the big picture going forward the the way that nebraska made those two runs uh one at the end of the first half where they they finished the half on um, maybe a thirteen to two run, something like that, and then the the run right after it was fifty one fifty, and Josiah Alec hits the three, and then after that they go on an eleven and zero run. That that capability that Nebraska showed is is I think why folks are so excited because they have the ability to play lockdown defense for for stretches. Uh, to and then pair that up with either getting out on the fast break or or moving the ball and finding the open three pointer. Uh, they're their capability is there, and I think that's the tantalizing part to this team. What what did that Purdue game show you in terms of just what the potential is, what the ceiling is for this team that we maybe didn't think was there before? Well, I mean, it just can you know the the theme. You know, I, I harped on it before the season, early in the season. You know, the theme that I kept harping on was, was balance, and you know, right now they've they've got I think five guys on the roster. Well, going into last night, they had five guys on the roster shoot north of 35% from three. They had four guys averaging double-figure scoring. In that Purdue game, seven different guys made threes. Like, there's options. You know, they're not just, you know, we have to draw up a play for one guy, and he's got to go get us the bucket. Like, there's plenty of options. And that, you know, that's something that I'm sure the fans enjoy is, you know, you know, there, it doesn't always have to be one guy. There's there's plenty of options, ways to get a bucket, ways to go, you know, get theirs. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, they, they, the balance was there, just scoring and on defense, too. The, you know, defense led to offense. They first forced 14 turnovers. I mean, I thought they had to play a near-perfect game to beat Purdue, and that's kind of what they did. Jacob, yesterday, you know, we saw that Jamarcus Lawrence only played about nine minutes. Eli Rice got got hot in that first half and ended up playing extended uh, an extended period of time. With Lawrence, in my opinion, Jacob, I feel like he's being asked to do things that aren't necessarily in his game. Um, do you anticipate potentially maybe there's a switch in the starting lineup and and you know I don't know who the they would take out for Lawrence, but like. You know, just kind of switching things up on on, on the starting lineup rotation. It's definitely possible. Um, we've seen more minutes with uh, Bryce Williams kind of initiating the offense, being the lead guard. Uh, you know, he had I forget his exact stat line now from that Purdue game, but he had I think eleven assists um, and a bunch of a couple re- bunch of rebounds too. And obviously, it's easier for a guy with his build to go inside get get rebounds, but. We've seen more of lead guard Bryce Williams. Um, you know the questions surrounding Lawrence. They were, they were, they were pretty present at the start of the year, and they haven't really exactly waned much. Um, he's, he's flashed some here and there with you know how he looks handling the ball, but you know he hasn't really lit it up scoring wise, shooting wise, and 
you know, it's getting down to brass tacks in, in yeah. the big tournament. And if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna produce, and there's, you know, you're not giving a coach reasons to have you out on the floor, then you're probably going to be on the bench. So last two games, so Purdue and Iowa, he's zero of four, zero points. I really do think he could be an effective player for this team and a scoring option. Do you do you think that if they brought him off the bench, they could get more juice from him? And if they put him in that kind of second rotation role and, and gave him the ball and said, you know, get us buckets when the starters are out, do you think he, he could be an effective part of this team? Or, or are we kind of too deep in the season at this point to really be changing roles that largely? Is he playing on the ball or is he playing? Oh, on the ball. He'd be on the ball. Oh, yeah. I don't know about on the ball. Uh, I think the... The scoring role for him would be like in a in a come off the bench yeah. and shoot way, like kind of similar to the CJ Wilcher you know blueprint yeah. that we've seen. Um, I just don't know about him being you know primary ball handler right now. Gotcha. I, you know, I think you you know Fred has has harped on how this team doesn't need a, a true point guard. They just need you know. That he likes having options to initiate the offense, but it felt like in that Purdue game we saw Brink Bath initiate yeah. the offense more than anybody. Uh, and I know that you know that's something that Fred's not opposed to. I mean, his best teams at Iowa State had had at that point chubby George Niang initiating <laughs> offense. So he's he's not opposed to having you know different guys bring the ball up, start the action, but. Yeah, Jamarcus Lawrence is in a weird spot right now. Interesting, it's an interesting next couple games, and especially the next one going home to New Jersey for him and uh, CJ Wilcher against Rutgers. Joined here on the KLI and Husker Hour by Jacob Bigelow from Stretch Big Podcast and HuskersIllustrated.com. Uh, if there's one guy out there, Jacob, who clamors more for screens for Kasey Tominaga, I haven't met him other than you. Uh, <laughs> He he is obviously a big part of what Nebraska did in their run last season. He's been a big part of their big wins this season. Is Fred Hoiberg not doing enough to get Casey open Ooh, shots? Question. Um, I I don't know. I because a lot of the time I, I know this about their you know the way Nebraska operates. They refer to that offense as read and react. Mm-hmm. Um. So you make a you make a pass and you see what the defense looks like. It's supposed to react to it, whether that's making a cut, coming to set a screen. Um, they're not running a lot of set plays. Um, maybe I you know maybe you know drawing something up for Casey. You know when you need a bucket like like last night or in, you know against any team really would be would be beneficial. I mean obviously with the pieces they have on this team this year. It's not going to be like the end of last year, where Fred basically admitted, to, you know, admitted at the end of last season the offense was find Casey and screen, and that was uh, that was the entire like offensive playbook was find Casey and uh, screen away. But I mean, in that, you know, he had those five threes against Purdue; those were all tough, contested shots. Mm-hmm. None of them were really open. But you know, it doesn't take much uh, time or space for him to get a shot off. And, you know, you think, you know, if the offense goes into a lull, you maybe draw something up to get a good look for your all-Big Ten guard. Is there a part of you that thinks they should, at times, go to that fine casing and screen offense? And, and do you think that might be even a possibility that Fred's thinking about after after yesterday's loss? It might be. I mean, it's, you know, it's also going to depend on how teams are defending him. Iowa yeah. had a guy attached to him. You know, felt like full court. Tony Perkins 
you know, did really well defending him. And it, Lance Jones even defended him really well in that Purdue game, but he made just a bunch of tough, tough shots. And it's gonna, you know, comes down to defense, matchup, situation. But oh, if I, you know, I'm not a basketball coach, but you know, if I'm, you know, my team's down 17-2, and we're not, you know, getting, we're taking a bunch of contested, not great forced shots. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, want to draw something up, get a look for <laughs> yeah. one of our better shooters or our better players, just to, you know, try to find some semblance of, of rhythm. Jacob, we'll get you out here on this. Uh, Nebraska now, now has four losses, and I think three of them, they've seen very similar styles of offense with Creighton, Wisconsin, and Iowa, and in that they are really excellent three-point shooting teams. They're really very good at moving the ball around and, and finding that open shot. How many more teams in the Big Ten will challenge Nebraska in a similar way as Wisconsin, Iowa, and Creighton have? I don't know if there really are any. Those three of the more elite, high-powered offenses um, in the country, and you know, it's we've seen we've seen the highs and the lows of you know Nebraska's defensive game plan, the doubling on the baseline, you know, kind of scrambling out to shooters, and you know that we saw it in the Purdue game. Purdue had some looks, and a lot of them weren't falling. But in the game last night against Iowa, they a lot of open looks than they were. But I don't think there are many, you know, more teams in the Big Ten with that much firepower from three. You know, they will see Wisconsin again at PBA here in a couple weeks. You know, that's one of the double plays. But they don't see Purdue again. Mm-hmm. You don't see Creighton again, and you don't see Iowa again. It's a lot more of the traditional Big Ten. You know physical bully ball kind of team left uh, on schedule. All right, Jacob Bigelow, Huskers Illustrated, Stretch Big Podcast. Uh, you can find him there. Uh, Jacob, always uh, appreciate it. And, uh, of course, go Chiefs. Thanks, thanks, Jacob. Yep. Big night for the Chiefs. Appreciate the time, guys. Like always, good hearing from you both. Talk again soon. Yep. All right, Jacob Bigelow. Um, and he mentions how he you know turns down those tickets. Yeah. It was going to be really did cold. Did you too? So I know I, I didn't have an opportunity to go to this game. Um, I, I wouldn't have minded, but we've got other people coming over, and it's just not a trip be, I'm going to make. Be a good party. I, I've been to one Chiefs playoff game, okay. and it's the coldest sporting event that I've ever been to, and I've looked this up more than once over the years. Since then, it was the, the AFC Championship game against the Patriots that the Chiefs lost in overtime. Thanks, Rex oh. Burkhead. Oh. Um, I, I thought it was like, oh yeah, this one definitely has to be colder than what, what's coming you know, for this weekend. Sure. So the sure. high, or the high, the, the forecast of temperature at 7 o'clock tonight for kickoff is zero degrees. The kickoff temperature to the game that I went to, which I thought was the coldest game ever, and I had no feeling in my feet by halftime, it was 19 degrees at kickoff. Oh, my God. It's zero tonight. I went to a five-degree game, week 14, the uh, three and three and 10 Chicago Bears <laughs> versus the three and 10 New York Giants. Oh, my goodness. That was incredible. What a game. What a I matchup. Know. I know. I Don't say I'm not a true fan. I'm a true fan. Um, and we've got a lot more to get to. Uh, thanks to Jacob. Uh, we'll get a little bit more uh, hoops uh, with the women. And then uh, we've got some Husker transfer news. Uh, and also, there's a lot of uh, coaching movement this week. Uh, and also the national championship game in college football was just played on Monday. Uh, how all of that uh, can maybe affect Nebraska football going forward. That's all coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Talking with Kurt.
current and former Huskers, and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. If you missed Jacob Bigelow, just joined us. Uh, you can always find the replay of the show at our podcast feed. Uh, just search KLI and Husker Hour in your platform of choice. Uh, you can also find our uh, podcast posted over at huskermax.com. All right. Uh, Nebraska winning on transfers in uh, the college football transfer portal. Uh, we, we obviously knew about Dowdell, the running back from Oregon, um, Isaiah Nayor, from Texas, uh, wide receiver. We knew about those, uh, and Bly Hill as well, uh, DB from. Uh, I'm excited about Bly Hill. Lower every, every time, well. every time I watch more and more tape of his, he is long. He's lengthy. He's athletic. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure his dad might have been an NFL player or or a, a college. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, don't don't quote me on that. But guy's an athlete, and it's a really good find. I mean, those guys. Let me tell you something about this Nebraska coaching staff. If you if you're a high school football player, they probably have watched you. They've probably watched you play football. Doesn't matter where you're from, especially if you're in Nebraska. They've probably watched you play football. I mean, it's it's impressive how much tape they consume and also how unwavering they are in their own analysis. They do not care what people think about if you're a high school football player, they don't care what people think about you. They don't care what your rating is. They don't care about any of that. If they watch your tape and you have their measurables that they want in a football player, they're going to go out and get you. They're unapologetic about how they recruit and how they develop. And you know what? It's worked with Matt Rule in the past. Yep. And if this year had proven anything, yes, it's 5-7. and seven, But, man, they proved that they can develop those guys. It's just they got to figure out the quarterback position. They did that. With Dylan Raiola, at least we we hope and or you know people hope and think they did. I mean, you you did as good as you could, literally, literally as good as you could. could yeah, that's <laughs> in a terms great of way an incoming freshman, you couldn't. Have, yeah, you're right. I mean, they did the best anyone could. So two elite eleven guys, if you count Daniel Kalen in that. Obviously, I mean, one of them's on the I, on the field. I don't, once, I, I don't think we talk about how important it is that they brought in two quarterbacks in that situation, especially in this era of transfer portal. Where, man, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by Rule. He wants a guy. He go. He goes and gets a guy. And I'm just impressed in his transparency. He said in that Wednesday press conference, uh, you know, the end the signing of signing day. The si- no, no, no. This or, was the end of season. This oh, was yeah, the okay. end of season press conference. Yeah. And he said, "Look, we're going to go and get guys who fit two descriptions. They're either." three, four-year dudes who we could develop who are basically, I mean, he didn't say this, but he basically said we're just going to get like a high school guy who's been in college for a year, or we're going to get dudes who can make instant impacts if they're if they're one-year guys. Yep. And Dowdell, Thompson, Banks, Nayer, Mazuka, they all fit that description. Yep. And they all fill roles that are needed. I like the wide receivers that Nebraska has on this team. I like Jalen Lloyd. I like Malachi Coleman. I like Jaden Doss. Heck, I'm excited to see Demetrius Bell play because I've heard nothing but incredible things about him at practice. But from what they learned last year and all those injuries, Garcia Castaneda, Washington, they know they need bodies. They just need bodies. And Banks, I really like the Banks transfer because he's a dude who Jamal Banks, wide Jamal receiver Banks, from Wake Forest, six hundred yards, 
the last two years. He's a true proven commodity. Played like 80% of the snaps for Wake Forest he's, last season. He's just, you know he's going to come and produce, and I feel like sometimes we're guessing. Right with these transfers. Well, he's got this, and he's got all this going for him. And he didn't really do a whole lot at his last school. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Nayer, now you know, the, before he went to Texas, had a lot of production, you know, in a, in a smaller school, and then he just you know couldn't get his feet under him. Literally, he had a knee injury mm-hmm. at Texas that kind of derailed that time. But Jamal Banks is a proven dude, and once again, I will always have optimism for any guy that they bring in whether it be a high school player or a transfer portal player, because of this staff's ability to develop. You know, it's almost like you have to account for, okay, this is what they were before they got to Nebraska. But now knowing how these coaches can get people to be better at football, you have to have that optimism. I feel like that optimism in previous eras was unwarranted, was was the Kool-Aid drinking. I don't think it's Kool-Aid drinking to think that these guys who are coming in are going to produce at a higher level at Nebraska because this staff has shown their commitment to developing those players into that production. Yeah, I mean, they have a track record. It, Matt they Rule do. has a track record, not just at Nebraska, but previous stops. The, so this this week alone, Nebraska picked up Jamal Banks, as you mentioned, 6'4", 205 from Wake Forest. Uh, they also have uh, now in the boat Micah Mazuka. You mentioned him, 6'5", 325. Uh, he's an interior offensive lineman. His brother's a walk-on running back here. He almost picked Nebraska last year, transferring say, yeah. from Baylor. Instead, he went to Florida, played at Florida last year, and now he's coming to Nebraska to finish up his career. Uh, and then the third, Stephon Thompson. He was also uh, a, a a commitment this week from the transfer portal. 6'1", 250. He's, an, he's a linebacker from Syracuse. If Syracuse catches your ear, that's because where Tony White was, so he knows the scheme. He knows the three-three-five, uh, and losing both Reimer and Henrich, uh, you would think Thompson would uh, would definitely be a good depth piece, potentially a starter um, at that position. The wide receivers, uh, obviously, we we talked about Dowdell uh, last week or week before how important I think uh, his addition is to the running back group with with the wide receiver position. Nebraska's gone and gotten guys who have been transfers and made an impact. Billy Kemp. Last year, did not make as big an impact as Samari Touré or as big as Trey Palmer. Kemp is an inside guy, smaller slot, and then Touré and Palmer were more outside receivers. They went down the field. They were challenging cornerbacks. They were they were stretching it. Nayor and Banks six three six four. Those guys are outside receivers. They are going to help open things up on the outside. Give. Dylan Raiola, Daniel Kalen, Heinrich Harburg, whoever's playing quarterback, uh, a big, big window to throw to, uh, and then you can you can figure out the other things with well, the other pieces that you got. I'll, I'll tell you something right end. now. I'll tell you something right now. I think the happiest person that or the happiest person in that wide receiver room that Banks and Nayer are now in Nebraska mm-hmm. has to be Jalen Lloyd, yeah. because now he's like, okay, I'm in my slot. Like I get to be the slot guy now, and I don't have to worry about maybe going outside or you know taking snaps when Bullock isn't on the outside or whatever. No, this is my spot. This is my position, and those outside routes open up the inside routes, you know. And so, I, I, I'm very optimistic. And 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 if you're a Nebraska fan, you have to be incredibly happy with what they did. Um, not necessarily like people. I think get caught up in the well. 
wide receiver wasn't necessarily a position of need. They had Coleman and Lloyd and Doss and, and guys that you believe that are going to take the next step and be high producers. But you have to understand that like while wide receiver wasn't a hole on the team, it wasn't it wasn't a need they desperately needed to fill. They could get better. They could get a lot better. And it's a very important position, you know, especially considering the fact that more than likely you're going to be throwing out a quarterback that is inexperienced in college football, whether it be Riola, whether it be Daniel Kalen. Yeah. And and let's be honest too, Heinrich Harburg, I know we played last year, but he only played eight games. Yeah. So it's like it's not and like he's got he's, a long way to go and in he's terms got, of development. It, absolutely. So it's not like he is a veteran. In all case and points in terms of the quarterback position. So they added two veteran wide receivers, and I really like it. Uh, when you let, Let's go to the offensive line. Mazuka. this guy's played a lot of football. You you kind of sure, sure up that interior line uh, with Nuweili graduating and Ethan Piper. His, his kind of future is up in the air right now. Yeah. Uh, they, needed, they had a clear need. Clear need at, at linebacker. They bring in Stephon Thompson, who, you know, Tony White trusts him. Mm-hmm. And he knows this isn't a guy that's going to be coming in not understanding how to run the three three five. He's run it before uh, at a decent level, and then so it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen in terms of the scholarship count now because I think they're firmly at over a hundred. I mean, at least they got to be. So yeah. that'll be interesting to see. I think the transfer portal window in the spring will be a very very interesting. Endeavor for Nebraska football. I think that there are going to be guys who may have to go, who may not want to go necessarily, but there just may not be a spot for them. I mean, those numbers figure it out, but it'll be interesting to see what happens because they're going to probably enter spring ball with a hundred guys on yep. scholarship. Yeah, and 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 that doesn't have to account for the thirty guys I'll probably have on walkouts. Yeah, and to be clear, the eighteen ninety initiative has mentioned. They can essentially fund up to 15 more non-scholarship guys so that you have the 85 plus 15. You can you, get about 100. I, I don't think you can take a four-year like a no. four-year guy off and put him on NIL. You couldn't? I don't think you can. I think you could. God, those, those scholar- we're, gonna, we're now going to have to read it. I'm an pretty NCAA sure those scholarships are just one-year All renewal. Right, let's go to break, and I'll look it up on <laughs> Google, and then we can talk about it. Here we go. Send them. We're, we're not in charge of there at the university or the collective, so don't worry about it. It's all good. They know what they're doing. Uh, we've got more to come. Uh, and then also, uh, you mentioned how the transfer portal in the spring may be affected. Uh, a lot of the coaching movement will also potentially affect uh, how that transfer portal will look for Nebraska and who they could maybe target going forward. Uh, That's all coming up uh, more with uh, women's hoops as well here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Talked earlier in the show about Husker men's hoops. Quite the roller coaster of a week they had with defeating number one Purdue and then losing to Iowa. Uh, Nebraska women, uh, they had a uh, successful game on Thursday. They beat Illinois on Australia night with Jazz Shelley and Jessica Beautiful ceremony. It was a beautiful ceremony. It actually was really nice. They played the Australian national anthem, Mm -hmm. and it was really cool. Yeah. I was at the game. Uh, I announced the game. So for ninety point three Karen New, like right. so many people in Nebraska have worked for it. Man, first off, Illinois. I if you're a fan of Illinois women's basketball, I feel for you. Because they 
were a really good team last year. They went 22 and 10, 11 and 7 in the Big Ten. They made the NCAA tournament. Uh, Shauna Green is their coach. She completely turned that program around last year. Uh, and they brought back almost everybody from that NCAA tournament team. Mm-hmm. And they have fallen flat. They are 6 and 8 on the year now after their loss to Nebraska. They have not beaten a Power 5 conference team yet this season. 0-4 in the Big Ten. They now. are 0-4 in the Big Ten. They're 0-8 against conference teams. They played three ranked teams. They've lost by a combined 53 points. And Nebraska went out there and they handled business for the most part. They were really good uh, uh, for kind of just everywhere. Alexis Markowski, she had a really tough night. I mean, it was just one of those where she just couldn't really get anything to fall around the rim. Uh, but he had, you know, solid performer. Jazz Shelley had just a, a very classic, uh, all you know, kind of do it all type of performance. A lot. I think she had six steals uh, on the night. I mean, she she was in five in the box score, six assists, seventeen, 17 points, points on four, seven and from three. Natalie Potts, you know, it was a tough shooting night overall for Nebraska mm-hmm. women's basketball. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you a wild stat here: they did not score a point for the first seven and a half minutes of the fourth quarter, yet they were never trailing. They yep. weren't trailing. They yep. were ahead the entire time. And that's just because Amy Williams is a good coach, and her team knows how to play defense. And they just are very rarely are there just wide open shots given up unless it's a really good offensive possession or set for Illinois. But this team is aggressive in their double teams on the post. They're aggressive hedging up top on the wings on screens. Uh, you know their defensive prowess really showed. And and it's another team. It's a, you know it, it's kind of funny how similarly the Nebraska women's team and the Nebraska men's team are built in the idea that like. One day they, they shoot a lot of threes, and one day if they hit them all, they can beat anyone. If they don't, they can lose to a team like Illinois. Yep. Uh, but their defense carried them. They out they rebounded the heck out of the ball. Uh, I think they, they won the rebounding battle by 16. Uh, it was a very fundamentally sound win. They, now, I will, I will say this. Last two games, 35 turnovers combined. Not a good number. And, and, and when they start playing... Uh, these other Big Ten teams, and you know, we kind of already saw it that 19 turnover game against Indiana when they lose by double digits. Right. So, uh, you know, they they're at Minnesota tomorrow. I will be writing for that game for KLIN, so I'll, I'll continue to bring the updates here to the Husker Hour for for Nebraska women's hoops. But man, this is a team that already is exceeding expectations. I think a lot of people thought they would take a step back from their Sweet 16 NIT run. Last year, because of losing Allison Winder, losing Sam Hybe, losing Isabel Bourne, three key pieces of last year's squad, uh, it, you know they're just playing good basketball right now, and, and it's been impressive. These freshmen, Natalie Potts and Logan Nisley, have been providing a lot to this team. Yeah, no doubt about it. And yeah, Amy Williams is a good coach, and she does have them uh, on uh, a pretty good track. Um, top uh, upper echelon Big Ten team uh, right now, as you mentioned. They're on the fast track to make the tournament. I mean, unless the wheels fall off, this is a team that not only should make the tournament, but but they can be competitive. I don't know if we should be talking national championship, but they can can win a game or two. It's March, man. Anything can happen. That's right. That's right. All right. Um, Anything can happen in the transfer portal, too, with all of the coaching changes at college football. 
Um, how does that affect the transfer portal? How could that potentially open up some avenues uh, for Nebraska to, to maybe pick up another key uh, transferee or two? Uh, that is uh, all coming up. Plus, uh, Husker Wrestling took on Iowa, a big, big matchup last night. We'll tell you how all that went down yes, um, yesterday and uh, get you ready for the weekend as well right after this here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. The Polar Bear made another appearance on the wrestling mat last night. Nash Hutmaker, D tackle, honorable mention, All American Big Ten D tackle, mind you. Um, moonlighting as a heavyweight wrestler, dropped a few LBs, put himself in a singlet, went and got a pin in his uh, first matchup, um, did not quite fare as well last night against Iowa, Iowa number two in the country, Nebraska number four, uh, and the Hawkeyes come into the Devaney Center and uh, they walk out with a win in that match. Uh, Nash Hutmaker uh, loses his first matchup since uh, before high school as the broadcast told us, because he went undefeated and was the number one national wrestler at the heavyweight uh, weight class uh, at the end of his high school career. Tough loss for Huskers. Yeah, it was a tough loss. I was really good. You know, I will say this. A lot of these were technical falls. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone got pinned. Uh, I don't think so. So it, it was just, yeah, they, they got out-wrestled. That's kind of how it happens. You never know when it, when it comes to... Uh, uh, wrestling in terms of that type of stuff. It was very competitive, more competitive than what it was last year. Last year, I think it was way worse. Uh, Iowa is, like, there are a reason why people call themselves the Iowa, like uh, the Iowa wrestling of another sport. You know what I'm saying? Because they've just been so dominant in the sport for so long. I mean, they are the peak of what a wrestling program aspires to be. It's always a tough matchup. I was still 22-10 to against a team like that. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, when it comes to Hutmacher, you know it, it is he's been in, put in such a tough situation with the hype and the you know the the accolades he had in high school and just to expect them. I think a lot of people unrealistically expected him to just walk in and and, and not lose a match in college, right? For after not having wrestled for two years and he's going up against Iowa, uh, I'll say this. And how can you blame him? He looked fatigued. I mean, he got beat at the very last second on a on a takedown in the third period. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked fatigued because I don't think he's ever had to wrestle that much in his in his life because he's so used to just going out there and pinning guys like he did against Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this was a uh, it, it was. A, I mean, he got thrown into the fire. It was a tough matchup, but nothing to be discouraged about. Nebraska wrestling still very good at wrestling. Mark Manning still a great coach. Do you have any concern? I don't have any concerns. No. I mean, no. Iowa's a top, 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 top program, and and that's that's always going to be a tough matchup for Nebraska to win. And they didn't get it done, um, but they uh, obviously still have uh, quite a bit of season ahead of them, uh, potentially with Nash Hutmaker uh, there with them. Hey, uh, in in college football, obviously uh, Michigan victorious over Washington in the national championship game, uh, and now Washington's head coach is headed to Alabama because Nick Saban retired uh and also bill belichick within the same 24-hour period retires and or not retires uh leaves new england uh could potentially pop up somewhere else with the all the vacancies in the nfl and and gerard mayo will be uh, replacing him in new england crazy crazy stuff in the coaching world hey real quick just for you the national weather service just said 
fans of the Chiefs Dolphins game have to cover all extremities, including your head and face, as it will be extremely dangerous going to the game. So negative, I can't go shirtless? Negative 30 degrees. That's crazy. The National Weather Service has to say show. something. Oof. Well, Chiefs fans are already out there. Crazy. Like, they're in line in their cars. If they could tailgate now, they would. Maybe they maybe some are. It's wild. Oh, yeah. Wild. All right. Playoff start tonight. Uh, Husker women in action tomorrow. The men uh, next in action on Wednesday at Rutgers. And, yeah, we're ready for the weekend. Good to have you back in studio, Matt. I'm so glad to be back. Other than trying to shovel. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go.